If we're not reading the Bible through Jesus and we're taking everything as equal and giving everything uh, the same weight and taking it at its face value, the Bible's an incoherent text. How can you say, listen to the cries of the poor without looking at what makes them poor? You don't have to believe certain things to be part. The irony is that you can be pro-guns, pro-death penalty, pro-military, anti-environment, and still say you're pro-life. But people get really uncomfortable. It's like they want to have their religion and they want to have their porn. They want to do both. I don't think any form of Christianity deserves to survive and thrive if it doesn't come to terms with the racism of our past. When we really tell the story of Jesus, we find a God who comes to the point where it has all collapsed. If a good teacher is to get a student to get the right answers on the test, and if Jesus was supposed to get us to get the right answer for when we die, then can we just be honest and say, not a good teacher? It is summer, and what better to do with summertime than focus on getting in shape and getting your health in check. Best way to do that is with Angie Niska at Rise Nutrition, who sponsors all of these wonderful Jesus Never Ran podcasts. You can find her on Facebook at Rise Menominee. That is Rise with a Z. Hello, friends. I am your host, Matt Kinzera, and I'm excited for this podcast. We're going to talk about something that's been on my mind quite a bit lately, actually for quite a while, and that is just that we have to be aware of a warning that toxic patterns repeat themselves. I won't speak for anyone else here, but I know that in my own life, There are certain patterns, and I can only call them toxic patterns, that they seem to repeat themselves over and over and over. And it's here's the thing. It's not because I'm not aware of them, and it's certainly not because I haven't tried to fix them. I certainly have. But it's almost like they're hardwired into me, hardwired into my system somehow. And the the tricky part is that I will like I'll fix one space where I find this toxic pattern happening where it shows itself and then somewhere down the line it it'll show up again in just a different form. So let me give you an example. Something about me is that I am like I'm a super passionate person. I'm a dreamer. I tell you every single day that goes by I have at least one new idea if not several new ideas like all the time and they just come to my mind and every once in a while every once in a while one of them gets me really really excited and when it gets me really excited I want that idea to become a reality and I want to I want it to become a reality like now so I see it very very clearly I can picture it in my mind and like I said I want it to come into existence in this moment, like right now. (laughs) And instead of taking the time to, you know, think comprehensively through it and identify how to do it the best, I'll often just, man, I'll just often charge forward figuring it out as I go. From one standpoint of just bringing the idea to life, it actually, I don't know, it's worked out just fine because... You know, I put a huge value on quality and I'm willing to work myself to death to, to make to make my goals a reality. I'm just I'll work until they're there so that I actually get to see these dreams and goals come to life. 
But here's, here's the problem, and here's where the toxic pattern comes into being. The problem is that I don't always, maybe I could say that I usually don't, consider the people that it might affect, right? I just get this idea, I ram it forward, and I do that thinking really about myself and not necessarily about anybody else. And, and I, I'm not really considering the way it might affect other people. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, the truth is that it often affects the people who are closest to me the most. For example, let me use this podcast. After working in evangelical circles for the better part of two decades, imagine the surprise that a lot of people had when suddenly this podcast comes out and I'm publicly renouncing it so many of the things that I used to stand on as truths in those years in the evangelical circles that I lived in and that I worked in. Now, this show has obviously, from your comments, from your listening ears, it's been really beautiful. It's been healing and it's been a healthy tool for just a lot of people, just tons of people. And I'm so excited about that. But in my relationships, for the most part, it's, it's been challenging. It's been challenging for a lot of people in my life because, again, I just did it. So that's kind of the pattern that I've seen in my life. I've, I'll give these ideas. I'll see them so clearly in my mind. I'll do them without talking to a lot of people about it, especially not a lot of people that are close to me. And then I put it out there into the world because most of my work is, well, podcasting, public speaking, creating content. And so I put it out there and it's out there publicly in the world. And then it just tends to surprise people. And like I said, this is not something I've just done with this podcast. This is something that I've done over and over and over in my life. And I've seen it radically and negatively affect relationships in my life. So I'm recognizing this toxic pattern, but then I guess we have to ask the question, what do we do with these patterns? And we'll get there. Here's why I bring this up on this show. Repeating toxic patterns in so many ways defines the history of our churches. Like the history over as long as churches have been in existence, there have been these toxic patterns that we see historically just repeat themselves over and over and over. I've always thought it was super funny. I grew up Catholic, so I've always thought it was super funny that Martin Luther, the guy radically steps away from the Catholic Church. Like he sacrifices so much of himself, so much of his success, so much of his career in order to step away from the Catholic Church. And he did it in pretty incredible and radical ways. But yet, ultimately, a denomination was formed named after him, which, like, right there should have been the first warning that we have a problem because anytime we name something after a human being that's meant to help us seek and discover the divine, I think, I think that should be a warning, right? <laughs> so fast forward quite a ways, right? Like, fast forward to now, and I would say that the Lutheran and Catholic Church as a whole, look an awful lot alike. Like they're similar in a lot of ways. 
they're plagued with a lot of similar issues that have to do with hierarchy, have to do with a lot of different things. They handle a lot of theology in very similar ways. So here we have this radical split by Martin Luther and others away from the Catholic Church. And then we fast forward and we see the Lutheran Church still looking a lot like the Catholic Church, repeating a lot of the same things that the Catholic Church did. And people who struggle with the Lutheran Church struggle with it mainly for the same reasons that people struggle with the Catholic Church. So again, we're seeing this pattern. Even though there was this split, there was this breakaway, there's a pattern that's happening and it's not a good pattern. In more modern times, we see like church split after church split. In my own community, I'm telling you, there's maybe a handful of churches that haven't gone through a split just in the time that I've been in this community, which is maybe 25 years. People break away, usually due to some like minor theological dissonance or some something that they just don't quite agree with. And it's not always this huge thing. It's often this, this little piece of theology that just disengages them from their church community. And so somebody at some point breaks away and then they start a new church and it happens over and over and over. But here's the thing, they break off and they end up forming a different version of the exact same thing. And then for some reason, we're surprised when they end up having some of the same issues that the church community that maybe they broke away from had. Again, looking at my community, the community that I live in, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, if you go to one church and then you go to another church the next weekend, they might have different names and they might have different denominations attached to them, but they're basically doing the same thing. If you look deep enough, you'll find their differences, but if you show up on a Sunday morning, you're going to experience pretty much the same thing from church to church to church to church. Every single year in my community, a new church or two shows up, and the pattern continues, a different version of the exact same thing. And what I believe is, and I think, I think we as a society, we as Christians, are starting to, to wise up to what's going on. Millions of people every single year are leaving the organized church altogether. Not because, not because they don't believe in God, not because faith isn't important to them, but I think we're just getting sick of, again, a different version of the exact same thing. And there seems to be, as we speak, there seems to be this spiritual movement that's happening in our world. And it's defined, at least at first, by a mass church exodus. For many of us, this mass church exodus that we've been a part of, it's included in a pretty intense time of deconstruction, a process where we question everything. And this is good and this is healthy, but eventually we need to get to a point where we have to dig in our heels and we have to discover a way forward. We have this desire, it's like this desire deep within us to connect with a divine presence in the world. And, you know, bitching about church forever will not get us moving in the direction that we desire. And there's this danger that again, we're simply going to repeat the same toxic patterns in a different form. And unfortunately, this is already rearing its ugly head, at least I think. 
I was recently at, uh, I mean, it was this beautiful gathering of faith out in New York City. And it was lovely, and in so many ways, it was, it was just really special. However, I couldn't help but notice the overt and what I would call fairly judgmental comments toward political conservatives. And full disclosure, I am somebody who identifies as what I, I mean, as best I can tell, I identify as an independent, but I definitely lean pretty hard to the left. Yet I still notice this kind of overt talk that was very anti-conservative from a political nature. And then as I was recognizing that, and again, it was in the, in the context like of a, a really great weekend, but as I was noticing that, I had this thought that if someone walked in to this gathering, the gathering I was a part of, with a Trump hat on, they would likely, I'm just thinking out loud here, they would likely have gotten treated the same way as a gay person would who walked into a conservative evangelical church. It would have been that same sentiment, which is, well, you're welcome here. Have some food, grab a beverage, but for heaven's sake, please eventually change. Otherwise, you're not going to belong. A different version of the same thing. I'm leaving this extremely broad and I'm not really filling in the gaps for you because all of us are living our own stories. And so when I talk about toxic patterns, both in your individual lives and in your life connected to church and connected to faith, you probably know what some of those specific toxic patterns are that you've been frustrated by, right? I think I know them in my own life. I shared with you one of them. I could share a lot. And I definitely know some of the things that I'm frustrated about when it comes to church. But we're not talking about details here because I want you to fill in those gaps. Just simply that in our own personal lives and in church and faith circles in general, there's definitely these patterns that keep coming back again. And at some point, we have to recognize that and decide what we're going to do about it. Which brings me to my next part here. So if we have our own convictions, right? We all have our own convictions, but how do we stand on those convictions and how do we break away from that which we feel is really toxic, that which is hurting our world as a whole? So how do we stand on our convictions but not keep repeating the patterns that we've seen over thousands of years, really. So the first thing I would say is this. Number one is simply be aware of the tendencies. Be aware of our own personal tendencies and be aware of the tendencies in the communities that we're engaged with. Be aware of our tendencies and fully accept them as real. And in some ways, accept that they are woven into the fabric of who we are and woven into the fabric of organized religions and organized churches. There's just certain things that are so ingrained in us and in our institutions in this world that those are the things that are creating these toxic patterns. And the very first thing that we have to do is to be strong enough and courageous enough to stand up and say, this is real, and just be aware that it's there. Because sometimes awareness is the first step in being able to overcome some of these patterns in our life, in our society, in our churches. 
And then the second thing that I would say is this, because, <laughs> because I fully know that when I started deconstructing some of my faith views, I wanted everybody to know about it. Again, I like to declare things publicly. And so when I started having questions about the way the church was handling the LGBTQ plus community, how the church was thinking about the theology of heaven and hell, the cross, different things like that. I mean, I just wanted to, I just wanted to throw it out there into the whole world. But before we start doing that, before we start shouting it to the world, posting it on social media, and being just so vocal about our position, we need to engage in healthy and calm conversations with people on the opposite side of how we're thinking. We need to have actual conversations with people who disagree with us. Before I started this podcast, it would have been really wise to share some of my thoughts with people that I knew would disagree with them because then I could have some healthy understanding of the other side of the coin. That being said, I lived in that world for a long time, so I certainly had a pretty good idea of what uh, people on the other side of the coin were thinking, but you get my point. Let's continue this by going into the political arena for just one second. I know that's a dangerous space to go, but let's do it nonetheless. I personally am comfortable, and I'm comfortable sharing it on this show because I'm going to do it right now. I'm comfortable in sharing that I think Donald Trump was extremely dangerous for our society. That is not a conservative or liberal comment. I just honestly think the man showed himself to be extremely dangerous for our society. Here's the interesting thing. I have several people in my life, really good, sound-minded humans, successful people, well-educated people, well-reasoned people in my life, people that I would call friends, people who are part of my family, and people who I just have a great deal of respect for. And these people, some of them, were Donald Trump supporters, not just conservative Republican supporters, but actually were pretty vocal about supporting Donald Trump over this last election cycle and over the four years that he was our president. And, of course, they voted for him both times. So I have conversations with these friends of mine because they're friends and with these family members because they're family, and that's what friends and family do. And I was able to listen to their thoughts and their reasoning, and why they took the position that they did. Now, these conversations didn't change either of our minds. I didn't have a conversation with my friends who are Trump supporters, and then suddenly I decided to vote for Donald Trump. That did not happen. But what it did is it helped me to have an understanding of where they were coming from. It helped take some of my assumptions away. And it helped me then to be very, very thoughtful in how I approached this podcast and my public conversations and even my private conversations surrounding politics over these last couple of years. Because I had always come back in my mind to my friends and my family members. I would always be thinking of them as I was having these conversations. And what it did is it caused me to pause before I did something where I was standing on my soapbox and talking smart, right? Because I, I certainly have my opinions. I certainly have my beliefs. But as I was sharing those beliefs, 
I would often be thinking of these friends of mine and these family members of mine, and it really helped me to frame the conversations in a much better way. Jesus chose people to follow him who in regular life would have been nothing short of enemies. He had Jewish people, and then he had a zealot. He had normal everyday people, and then he had a tax collector, right? So he had people in his circle who in normal life would have been enemies. And what he did is he simply said, follow me. And together, all these people with very, very different viewpoints on the world and the political system of the time and the religious system of the time, they got together and they quite literally changed the world. I don't think we would have had the same impact if Jesus would have chosen a bunch of people that were all the same. There was this thing that had to happen for them to follow him where they had to be with each other. They had to have conversations. They had to listen through their own lens and then certainly have conversations amongst themselves, which I would imagine at times were heated. I'd imagine at times there was a lot of disagreement about how to take those things on, but it shouldn't be lost that it seems as if Jesus was very intentional with the choices that he made. So that is the second thing that we need to, before we start posting on social media and grandstanding, we need to have conversations with people we trust and people we know who are on the other side of the issue so that then when we post or when we're talking or when we're sharing our views, especially publicly, that we have those people and their perspective in the back of our minds. And it will definitely change, not necessarily what we say, but it certainly should change how we say what we say. And then the third thing that I would say is this. We need to discover the underlining value that compels us and then focus on that. So my underlying value is not that I thought Donald Trump was dangerous for our society. That's just a reality in our world, but it's not a value, right? I have underlying values, and here's what I would identify as the main two. The two things that drive me the most that I put at the foundation of everything I do, or at least I attempt to put at the foundation of everything I do, are number one, love, and number two, wholeness. I fail over and over all the time at both of them, but they're the two underlying things that I put value in. Now, I recognize, even though those two things are my core values in life, that many times my life does not bring about love and wholeness. And to be perfectly honest, the idea behind this episode for this podcast really had to do with that exact thing, that I understand my values, but I have been seeing some areas in my life where those values have not been coming forward. So that's what led to this episode right now is kind of my own humble understanding of the places where I'm not living up to what I actually believe. So look at it personally, but also corporately especially in our faith circles and especially in our church circles. If our faith circles, our church circles, if they're not supporting these underlying values, it's time for reflection. So again, in my own personal life, when I see actions that I'm doing not supporting the values that I have, it's time to step back and it's time to reflect. In the same way, when I see my faith community or my church community or the evangelical circle in general a number of years ago, 
when I see those organizations not living up to the values not only that I have, but they claim to have, that's also a time when we need to step back and take some time for reflection. Let me be clear. Maybe it's not a time to start a progressive church that looks a lot like every other church other than some theological differences. That might not be the right approach. We just need to step back and take some time for reflection. Because historically, if we're looking specifically at the church here, historically, that just keeps putting out the same harsh results in a different form. And as I've already mentioned, we're seeing history repeat itself and we're seeing the same thing in different form and the same problems keep repeating themselves. And we see these toxic patterns and <laughs> they, they might have a little bit of a different theological undertone, but we're seeing the same types of hurts. We're seeing the same types of disappointments and we're seeing the same problems no matter what type of church is happening and coming out. Which leads me to think that, and, and let me tell you, I've had the thought. I've had the thought many times over, and I've had many, many people approach me and say, would you start a progressive Christian church in our community? I know it's a desire. I know it's, it's what a lot of people want. But my biggest fear is that I would do that, or I'd get a group of people together to do that, and then 10 years down the line, we'd look at ourselves and say, oh my goodness, we look so much like that thing that we hated for so long. And here we are, we look so much like it. So that leads me to thinking that maybe the answer is not starting another version of the same thing, but maybe the actual answer is like burning the entire thing to the ground and starting over from scratch, like actually starting over, take all ideas out and start bringing in new ideas and starting from scratch and just see what happens. At the very least, we create some new patterns, some good and some bad. So at the very least, we at least create some different patterns than what we're used to. But at the very most, we start to see what it looks like to actually bring love, hope, healing, and wholeness to this world. So maybe if we burn down the whole thing, we can actually start bringing what we stand on and what we value. We can actually start bringing that in real life to this world. Unfortunately, the truth is that there isn't some sort of magical answer that's going to appear and everything's just going to poof be okay. That's, that's just not going to happen. That's not, that's just not real life. But I believe that I'm capable of finding some answers or at least pieces of answers. And I'm hopeful that you will do the same in your own unique way. And if we do this while including conversations around tables and bars, coffee shops, living rooms, with people who not only agree with us, but also people who don't share the same opinions, we might just be able to avoid this mentality that has been messing with our world and our society and us individually for so long. When I think of Trump supporters or when I think of conservatives, I think of my friends. When I think of, wait for it, evangelicals, I think of my friends. When I think of the LGBTQ plus community, I think of my friends. When I think about convicts, I think of my friends. And here's the thing, here's the truth of the matter. 
I respond differently when I'm mindful of my friends because proximity changes response. People are very quick to talk negatively about me to others based on what I believe, what I share in this podcast. But only a handful have ever actually talked to me in person about their concerns. And every one of those conversations has been beautiful and helpful and has ended with both of us having a better understanding of each other's beliefs and each other's thought process so that we are able to move forward in a more healthy, more understanding, more loving, and more beautiful way. It's been a joy to be with you today. And until next time, keep walking.